Chapter sixty nine of the Ontario Reader's Third Book by the Ontario Ministry of Education, read for LibriVox.org. Do seek their meat from God. There was a solitary cabin in the thick of the woods a mile or more from the nearest neighbor, a substantial frame house in the midst of a large and well tilled clearing. The owner of the cabin, a shiftless fellow who spent his days for the most part at the corner tavern three miles distant, had suddenly grown disgusted with a land wherein one must work to live, and had betaken himself with his seven-year-old boy to seek some more indolent clime. The five-year-old son of the prosperous owner of the frame house and the older boy had been playmates. The little boy, unaware of his comrade's departure, had stolen away, late in the afternoon, along the lonely stretch of wood road, and had reached the cabin only to find it empty. As the dusk gathered, he grew afraid to start for home, and crept trembling into the cabin, whose door would not stay shut. Desperate with fear and loneliness, he lifted up his voice piteously. In the terrifying silence, he listened hard to hear if any one or anything were coming. Then again his shrill childish wailings arose, startling the unexpected night, and piercing the forest depths, even to the ears of two great panthers which had set forth to seek their meat from God. The lonely cabin stood some distance, perhaps a quarter of a mile, back from the highway connecting the settlements. Along this main road a man was plodding wearily. All day he had been walking, and now, as he neared home, his steps began to quicken with anticipation of rest. Over his shoulder projected a double-barreled fowling-piece, from which was slung a bundle of such necessities as he had purchased in town that morning. It was the prosperous settler, the master of the frame-house, who had chosen to make the tedious journey on foot. He passed the mouth of the wood-road leading to the cabin, and had gone perhaps a furlong beyond, when his ears were startled by the sound of a child crying in the woods. He stopped, lowered his burden to the road, and stood straining ears and eyes in the direction of the sound. It was just at this time that the two panthers also stopped, and lifted their heads to listen. Their ears were keener than those of the man, and the sound had reached them at a greater distance. Presently the settler realized whence the cries were coming. He called to mind the cabin, but he did not know the cabin's owner had departed. He cherished a hearty contempt for the drunken squatter, and on the drunken squatter's child he looked with small favor, especially as a playmate for his own boy. Nevertheless he hesitated before resuming his journey. "'Poor little fellow,' he murmured, half in wrath. "'I reckon his precious father's drunk down at the corners, and him crying for loneliness.' Then he re-shouldered his burden and strode on doggedly. But louder, shriller, more hopeless and more appealing, arose the childish voice, and the settler paused again, irresolute, and with deepening indignation. In his fancy he saw the steaming supper his wife would have awaiting him. He loathed the thought of retracing his steps, and then stumbling a quarter of a mile through the stumps and bog of the wood road. He was foot-sore as well as hungry, and he cursed the vagabond squatter with serious emphasis— but in that wailing was a terror which would not let him go on. He thought of his own little one left in such a position, and straightway his heart melted. He turned, dropped his bundle behind some bushes, grasped his gun, and made speed back for the cabin. "'Who knows,' he said to himself, "'but that drunken idiot has left his youngster without a bite to eat in the whole miserable shanty. Or maybe he's locked out, and the poor little beggar's half scared to death. Sounds as if he was scared.' and at this thought the settler quickened his pace. As the hungry panthers drew near the cabin, and the cries of the lonely child grew clearer, they hastened their steps, 
and their eyes opened to a wider circle, flaming with a greener fire. It would be thoughtless superstition to say the beasts were cruel. They were simply keen with hunger, and alive with the eager passion of the chase. They were not ferocious with any anticipation of battle, for they knew the voice was the voice of a child, and something in the voice told them that the child was solitary. Theirs was no hideous or unnatural rage, as it is the custom to describe it. They were but seeking with the strength, the cunning, the deadly swiftness given them to that end, the food convenient for them. On their success in accomplishing that for which nature had so exquisitely designed them, depended not only their own, but the lives of their blind and helpless young, now whimpering in the cave on the slope of the moonlit ravine. They crept through a wet alder thicket, bounded lightly over the ragged brush fence, and paused to reconnoitre on the edge of the clearing, in the full glare of the moon. At the same moment the settler emerged from the darkness of the wood road on the opposite side of the clearing. He saw the two great beasts, heads down and snouts thrust forward, gliding toward the open cabin door. For a few moments the child had been silent. Now his voice rose again in pitiful appeal, a very ecstasy of loneliness and terror. There was a note in the cry that shook the settler's soul. He had a vision of his own boy, at home with his mother, safeguarded from even the thought of peril. And here was this little one left to the wild beasts. "'Thank God! Thank God I came!' murmured the settler, as he dropped on one knee to take a surer aim. There was a loud report, not like the sharp crack of a rifle, and the female panther, shot through the loins, fell in a heap, snarling furiously and striking with her forepaws. The male walked around her in fierce and anxious amazement. Presently, as the smoke lifted, he discerned the settler kneeling for a second shot. With a high screech of fury, the lithe brute sprang upon his enemy, taking a bullet full in his chest without seeming to know he was hit. Ere the man could slip in another cartridge, the beast was upon him, bearing him to the ground and fixing keen fangs in his shoulder. Without a word, the man set his strong fingers desperately into the brute's throat, wrenched himself partly free, and was struggling to rise, when the panther's body collapsed upon him all at once, a dead weight which he easily flung aside. The bullet had done its work just in time. Quivering from the swift and dreadful contest, bleeding profusely from his mangled shoulder, the settler stepped up to the cabin door and peered in. He heard sobs in the darkness. "'Don't be scared, Sonny,' he said in a reassuring voice. "'I'm going to take you home along with me. Poor little lad, I'll look after you, if folks that ought to don't.' Out of the dark corner came a shout of delight, in a voice which made the settler's heart stand still. "'Daddy, daddy,' it said, "'I knew you'd come. I was so frightened when it got dark.' and a little figure launched itself into the settler's arms, and clung to him trembling. The man sat down on the threshold, and strained the child to his breast. He remembered how near he had been to disregarding the far-off cries, and great beads of sweat broke out upon his forehead. Not many weeks afterwards the settler was following the fresh trail of a bear which had killed his sheep. The trail led him down at last along the slope of a deep ravine, from whose bottom came the brawl of a swollen and obstructed stream. In the ravine he found a shallow cave, behind a great white rock. The cave was plainly a wild beast's lair, and he entered circumspectly. There were bones scattered about, and on some dry herbage in the deepest corner of the den he found the dead bodies of two small panther cubs. Charles G. D. Roberts, Earth's Enigmas, Adapted So nigh to grandeur to our dust, so near is God to man. When duty whispers low, thou must, the youth replies, 
I can. Emerson End of chapter 69 This recording is in the public domain.